Good morning, everybody. You guys all braved the cold this morning, and it's uh, so good to see you here, because, yeah, I was uh, watching that a little bit, and it was definitely on the colder side of things that we've had this year, and so uh, um, I know the guys make fun of me a little bit on how much I... I like the snow, I like the, some of the weather and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, uh, cold is tough, um, and so uh, it's awesome to see you guys here, um, but praise God that we've got the moisture that we've got, um, the mountains keep piling it up, and uh, please keep that in, the, in your prayers, um, we, we, we need it, that's all there is to it, and so what a great gift to have. So um, as Chris was talking, we're going to be going through uh, the book of Mark, um, looks like we're going to be in it for a while. And so today is more of kind of an introductory to Mark. Um, We're going to go into the first four passages of it, and um, we're just going to walk through it and and see where the Lord leads us. Um, He led me uh, uh, in a different direction than I kind of expected to go, and uh, hopefully we can uh, share in that together in in, um, some of the verses I was led to and and what's going on. And so in some ways, this, uh, this intro may be a little basic. But um, I got thinking of some of the things that I had, um, I had gone through, you know, 30, 35 years of, um, uh, I, I guess, a Christian background, going to church and stuff. But I remember um, when the Lord started opening my eyes and some of the things I heard for the first time. And so it don't, it don't hurt to go over some of the basics um, because some of the basics may be the first time you hear those. And so for others, it may be, yeah, we already know this, but... Um, Anyway, so there, there may be some of this that's just like, okay, what else is there? But um, I tell you what, um, my ears being open to some of the firsts is something that I, I, would, not, I would not want to withhold from anybody. So, um, like I says, we're going to be studying Mark chapters 1, 1 through 4. Um, but before we start, um, let's pray um, to the Father for, um, you know, just our hearts, our understanding, um, His work to be done. Um, and, and it always just to, um, you know, push me out of the way. You guys all know I have problems with, w- with myself. I fight myself more than anybody else. So anyways, just to push me to the side and be comfortable and confident in what Christ has done in, in, in myself and all of us and to just to be able to walk in that. So let's pray for his, his work to be done. Um, Father, uh, we come to you this morning, Lord, and, and I heard so many thankful hearts in, in the prayers. And just um, in, in the prayer request, uh, the, what you've already done, what you continue to be doing. Um, and that is also a thankful heart in what you're doing in all of us as we grow, as we um, study your word, as we, um, we, we just become to know you more, Father. Um, I pray that your word speaks to us today. I pray that you guide us, that you shape us. Um, and, and just, Lord, let us hear what you have, Father. Um, Please help it stick. Please help it not just be on Sundays, Father, but it's every day of the week. Um, we need you, Father, in our lives every day, and, and we are asking for transformation every single day, Father. Less of us and our ugly ways and more, and more of you and your righteous ways, Father. Um, guide us, Lord. Lead us. And it's your beautiful, precious name, Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. So, uh, Mark. So it come down to, um, again, some of this is going to be basic. What are the Gospels? Um, 
I told you before, uh, you know, and, and I'm just estimating 30, 35 years of, of um, you know, being raised around uh, the church and, and Christian gatherings and stuff like that. It was amazing to me for the first time that I had heard at the beginning of the New Testament were the first four books of Jesus Christ's life by four different authors. I was like, how did I miss this? How did no one tell me this? So if you don't know that, like that was something that intrigued me the first time I heard it, that if you go to the New Testament and, and move forward from there, the first four books of the New Testament is all about Jesus Christ's life. That is something, again, that I just, I'm sure it's been told to me, but I missed it. So if you've never actually cracked open the Bible and, and really like, I remember back in the day, I would flip it open to whatever and I'd say, oh, God wants me to read this. And I'd read things in the red. Okay, that was cool, but there was nothing more besides I found this red stuff. It kind of made sense, but there was no history. There was no story behind it. Um, I encourage you, the first four books of the New Testament is four different authors talking about this, this Jesus that we follow, this Jesus that we talk about. If you've never read them, read them. You want to know who Jesus is? Look at those books. So that's what we're going to be going through, is we're going through the book of Mark, one of the gospels, one of the good news of Jesus Christ coming. And so that's, that's the first thing that I remember hearing for the first time. And so um, the other thing is, I remember sitting in one of the small groups that I, that I was attending, and I always heard the gospel, go spread the gospel, the good news, all this stuff. And I, I remember it's like, what is this talk? What is, what is this gospel? And so I slipped there and I said, it, it's the good news. That's simply what that word means, gospel. So you've got these gospels, and these are the gospels of Jesus Christ by these authors that go and talk about them and, and show who he is. And so that's what it is. If you hear the churchy word gospel, it's in our title, Gospel Community Church. It's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's simply what it is. So when, when you hear about it, what are the gospels? Gospels of Jesus Christ, that good news, that salvation that he brings. When were they written? So this is some, again, we don't have exact dates, guys, on the exact times when these were written, this, that, and the other. If you go off of just the best dates of our, um, the founding fathers of the church and what's going on, most scholars believe 20 to 60 years after Christ's death. So uh, he, he was crucified roughly in A.D. 33, and it's roughly, like I says, um, 50, 80 and on is kind of when it's, it, it was written. Now, that may sound like a long time. Like, what do you mean 20 years after he passed away? That's still in the life of the eyewitnesses that seen all this that was going on. Our other books that we have that we study that we look to for history, they were written like four, five, six hundred years later. We've got it within, like I says, a couple decades. Um, you got to understand, though, like they were going around, they were so changed by this, they were sharing the message and going around and no one realizing, not, we need to write some of this stuff down. They were so intrigued by what was going on. And, and you see it in the first church, the, uh, if you read the book of Acts, it, it talks about the the, how the church um, was founded through Christ. And so you have this, um, this gap. There is that gap. But again, it's still written within the eyewitnesses. Um, it is, again, if you go off the scholars and people that have really studied this, not only do they say roughly 20 to 60 years after his death, they also believe that uh, Matthew and Mark were the first ones to be written. 
Um, I kept, I fought this for a little bit because I thought it was Mark that was first written. I'd find other commentary that said it was Matthew and then this debate, and I'm like, who cares? Like, I, I wanted to figure this out, um, and, I, and I just couldn't. So at the end of the day, again, it don't matter, but it's largely Matthew and Mark were the first two to be written. Um, and again, if it comes to find out later on in life, God reveals more that it was Luke been written first. It don't change things, but it's largely believed that these two um, were written first. And I think if you read Mark in that context, I, I think it does kind of prove that. But again, I'm not up here to debate that. Um, by who? Who are the Gospels written by? Again, we don't have no concrete evidence that they were written by any of these guys. We're going more off of tradition, of what's going on when the early church formed, all that stuff. But there's some pretty good evidence that these men wrote the book. At the end of it, what it really signifies is the men wanted no glory, all the glory go to God. And so the men didn't write it for their own, like they, they were strictly wanting people to know about Jesus Christ. And so um, uh, these are the people that are attributed to it. Uh, the book of uh, Matthew, of course, they think it was Matthew, um, one of his apostles, the tax collector that wrote it. Mark, he was not an apostle. He was, uh, from what I could see, he was a young man uh, in his younger days, and he kind of hung on to Peter, which was one of the apostles, and he was heavily influenced by Peter. And he come to write these accounts of, again, being um, kind of a, 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 a walker with Peter. That is what we have here in, with Mark. Luke, um, again, not one of the original apostles. Um, he, is, uh, he went and served with Paul. He's the only Gentile that wrote um, one of the Gospels. A Gentile meaning he's not a Jew. He's not of the lineage of Israel. He's like what you and I would be called. We, we are Gentiles. We are someone that, um, at least I don't know of anyone here that's a Jew. Um, anyways, so we aren't, uh, we were not, uh, the Jews were the chosen people to represent God to the rest of the world. Um, and so we are a result of that, of the Jews going around and, and representing that. And so Luke is, is a Gentile, and, and again, he wasn't one of the original apostles. He followed Paul. He went through and he studied. He was an educated man, and he really wanted to study the facts. And then we got John, which is another apostle. And John is the last of the Gospels, and they do think that John was the last um, Gospel to be written, and um, he was an apostle. So these are the Gospels. These are the four, four first books of the New Testament. Again, if you've never read them, I encourage you to read them. If you want to know who you follow, what Christianity is all about, and see the man, read those books. And so, in this, we were led as, as a church, as, as, a, as um, the pastors here, to go over Mark. Um, this book doesn't get usually all the highlights of the other ones, um, but for whatever reason, it kept coming up that the Lord was, was pushing us here. And so this is the gospel that we're going to be studying. Um, the, the gospel of Mark, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ written by Mark. And um, so who is Mark? Um, if you go through, he, um, he was also called John Mark. Um, in studying this, John was kind of his Hebrew name. Roman, uh, Mark was his Roman name. Basically, they're referred to both. Um, but what you'll never come across in, in the New Testament is him referred to as John the Apostle or John the Baptist. Like, those are different Johns of the Bible. This is, if you ever hear his name and it's just John by itself, it's referring to this Mark. Um, again, I already had talked to you. He was not one of the original 12 disciples. 
but he had a really close relationship with Peter and, and followed Peter around. And a large percentage of the gospel is, is again, thought to come from Peter's eyewitness testimony. Um, he had a mom named Mary. Boy, that can get confusing. <laughs> There's a lot of Marys in the Bible. This is not the Mary that we're all thinking of. Um, but this is a Mary that seemed to be somewhat wealthy. She had her own home, and she had even a, a servant that, that answered the door. And she had opened up her home to this way, this, this teaching of Christ, this helping to establish the church. And so that is what we know about his mom. Um, we do know Mark was for sure human. I found this interesting. On his very first mission with Paul and Barnabas, he quit. He, uh, for whatever reasons, he left. Um, that gives me some hope because I think some of us all have our own battles we fight with, with doubt or just quitting, or maybe it's just sometimes some ugliness, um, Tonyland moments, who knows. But he was human, and he quit on the very first journey, the uh, very first missionary mission. This also caused a little bit of rebuttal. We've seen a little bit of a, a headbutting in the second mission of Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to bring Mark. Paul didn't want nothing to do with him. Um, he struggled, and they divided over this. Um, Barnabas went and uh, led um, on the second mission that he went on with Mark, and Paul took Silas. Again, God's word was not lost. Yes, they, they butted heads, they broke, but now we have at least we got two missionary teams going out and spreading the gospel. The end of the day, though, they came back together, and Paul refers to him as my fellow worker, my fellow worker, and someone helpful to the ministry. Mark grew, and and that's that's again an encouraging word. Even though we trip and fall and we do our things, Mark grows, we grow. Um, so, in preparation to reading this this these this first verse, so. This is where in the study, again, I'm not trying to make a case that Mark was the first book written or not. I just, if you read Mark with some of the, the commentary that I've, been, um, that I've been served with over the last little while, you almost do get a sense that Mark is writing the, the first time. Um, he's, he's going around preaching and teaching, and, and he's just kind of, in the book of Mark, he's just kind of giving us the details, the highlights. There isn't this long, drawn-out type of like lineage of who Jesus is. Like he is just right on the book, right going into it, and like sharing um, the, the good news of Jesus and, and what he's doing. And here's all this that he's doing, and and and, and look at all this. Like there's not. It is. The, it's the shortest book out of the four Gospels. And and if you read it, it is. It's just right to the point on a lot of these things that's going on. And and it kind of like it almost was like this awakening. I I was I was reading one commentary where. They're going out, they're sharing the news. Um, some thought that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime right there and then. And so they didn't really think about writing this stuff down. They're just going out, man, we've got to spread God's word. We've got to go share with people. No one's taking the time to pause and jot this stuff down. Well, I can imagine, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, you're starting to see some of the people that were eyewitnesses that are starting to pass. Someone finally says, you know what? With the help of the Spirit, we better write this stuff down. We're not always going to be here, the eyewitnesses. And she almost get this account in Mark, like we're just jotting stuff down, making sure that we get a record of this stuff. Um, and and you, you will go into other commentaries where you can see that some of the teachings was even pulled from Mark and some of that. And so 
remember that as we're going into Mark. Like, it's not way super deep like some of John is. Um, it's just a, a going through and, and showing who Jesus is and, and sharing the miracles and the life that Jesus lived. And so in that, when we start at the first of Mark, like we're jumping right in. There's no talk of his birth. There's nothing like that. We're just jumping right in. And if you'll turn with me, uh, well, it's probably going to be on the board too. Um, we'll read all of Mark, uh, the verses that we're going to be covering, not all of the book of Mark. Woo, that'd be a long one. Um, we're going to read Mark chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 through 4. And it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Boom, just jumping in. Here it is. Here's this gospel. Here's Jesus Christ. So again, I talked about the gospel being the good news. Here it is, the good news and exactly, and, and, and again, I wanted to pause here. This is I'm trying to get in my mind frame where I wrote some of these things down. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we have this good news being proclaimed, this gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And exactly what good news are we talking about? course we're talking about jesus the messiah the son of god (laughs) another squirrel moment for the longest time i thought jesus christ was first and last name again i i know some of this is going to be basic but for some of you maybe it was like me and didn't know it christ is not his last name christ is the the title given to jesus it's the messiah it means the anointed one the one that has been talked about to come. So Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God. This is the good news of the writing. This is what Mark is coming up right from the start and telling us the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of this life in flesh living among us. This is that good news. So why is it good news? Since the fall, we have lived in turmoil. We've lived in separation. We've lived in war. um, And and just seeking God's blessings once again, as it was in the Garden of Eden. So if you think about that and you zero in on this, on these verses of restoration, blessings, freedom, back to the kingdom of life, it brings you back to the very beginning of what a lot of people talk about, the first gospel message. And in Genesis three fifteen, it talks about it here. And this is where God starts talking about, I will make this right again. This thing that you have done by your sin and what Satan has done within it, I will make it right again. If you read Genesis three fifteen, so this, this is following um, after we, we have disobeyed God, Um, Eve took the apple, ate it, said, here, Adam, you have some. Adam, for whatever reason, didn't ask a single question, even though he knew, and he ate of it. And instantly their eyes were opened, and they were forever changed. Instantly. They went to hide themselves from the Lord. Never have they ever felt that before where they had to hide from him. And they go and hide from him. And here it is where God comes in, and, and again, he 
provides clothing. He does all these things. But here's some of the, here's the repercussions of this. And, and that's where we're at in 315. The repercussions of it and also him talking about the good news that he will restore. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So right there, there will be this, this, um, this difference, this enmity, like this um, cannot get along between Satan, sin, death, and the woman, which is God's creation, us. All the offspring. So you've got the offspring of, of the devil, of sin, and those that continually choose to stay there. And then you're going to have this offspring of God, like the, the followers of God, the followers of Jesus Christ. There's going to be this division, which of course there is. God being all righteous, all holy, all good, his people cannot live in, 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 in unrighteousness. So we have this right now. There's going to be this enmity, this, this war, basically, between good and evil. We, we cannot have you guys both in the same place. There will be this. And then there's this part where he says, ever so slyly. I mean, if you read it, you're like, what is this in here? If you didn't read the rest of Scripture, you would say that. What is this in here? He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Talking about taking care of this business. In other, um, in other versions, it talks about crushing the head, not just bruising. Either way, if you think about it, if you're in a mean battle, a war, what is the worst one? The foot being bruised or the head being bruised? Ouch is right. Um, at the end of the day, it's foreshadowing what's going to come on. Yes, Satan is going to... Um, we, we see what happens with Jesus on the cross. It's significant. It definitely hurts. It's definitely painful. It's real. But so is our sin. But he does not crush God. God's plan for it. God takes it. God knows it. And it's a way to deal with our sin. So we have this, this little glimpse of the gospel that there will be restoration. And this is where it starts, and it goes throughout the Old Testament leading to this. We've got this hope of restoration. We don't see it all the way here. This is the very beginning. But as time goes on, we got more of this seed, offspring talk, this, um, this, these promises, these covenants that goes on. In Genesis... Uh, 12, 1 through 3, we get Abram. We get one of the first um, covenants of, of God um, blessing families through, through his chosen people. And again, it's foreshadowing the, the coming of the Messiah. But here in this, we're, just, we're looking at that. We're setting up that God is still there. God still has us. He's watching over us. And it's moving on farther and farther until we get to David, where David is almost now, it's black and white, okay? I've been setting up a people. I've been showing you guys I still have you. And when it comes to David, it's just flat out calling it. There will be a Messiah, a Savior that's going to come and fix all this. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, God, God picking a people, a person, saying, through you, all creation will be blessed. And, and it's pointing to a Messiah. 
Right here, it's kind of vague, but he's showing he's built himself up a people, a people to represent him and ultimately to bring the Savior through. We go into Genesis 28. So we've had Abram, which is, of course, turned to Abraham. And then from Abraham, we had uh, Isaac. And then from Isaac, we have Jacob. And Jacob, we get Israel. And it says right here, here's another talking about the offspring and the families being blessed. In, tw in Genesis 28, 13 through 14, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Again, showing God has not left us. God is showing us that he's making things right. He has put a blessing on this. And again, we have the, the founding of the Israelites. What's going on? What's starting? The chosen people to show us all who Christ is, who they weren't always perfect at it, as we are not always perfect at it. But we see this going on. And so here's, again, I was looking for things to show this, um, this excitement in the Bible of the coming Messiah. Um, I wish I would have jotted it down now, but talking with the guys and just in my heart now, there's, there's a, a passage in the Bible where one of the disciples comes running to his brother, look, we found the Messiah. He's, he's greatly excited about it. They've been seeking, they've been looking for him. And so again, in Genesis, we see this, God's going to restore. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that he's making himself a people that he's, that he's restoring. And then we get to David, and there's this, um, these verses here that are deeper than I've ever read before. Um, at least that's how the Lord was revealing them to me, and I'd like to go with that to show this where the um, where there, this excitement was coming from. This like man, we're looking for this this Savior, this Messiah, and so it's kind of a longer one. It's Second Samuel seven one through seventeen. So what we have is we've got King David here, and we've got Nathan the prophet. And King David and, and Nathan are talking here. And uh, what we have is we have a heart of um, David wanting to build a home for the Lord, a temple. And we're going to see that Nathan is like, yeah, what, if it's in your heart, let's do it. Well, that same night, Nathan, uh, Nathan goes to bed, whatever, and the Lord comes to him and talks to him. And he talks to him about building this house. And he reveals some other things that um, he's meant for David. And he reveals some, um, some things about God himself and, and, and like who he is. And so kind of that's where we're at if, if I help set it up at all. So it says, Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, 
that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great, make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I had appointed judges over, over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from your, who shall come from your body and will establish the kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of man, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from me, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision. Nathan spoke to David. So this one went over quite a bit, um, late last night actually and studied it and tried to read, like, this is something that just come to me that I wasn't expecting. And in it, I think if you read it, knowing what we know, the, the prophecies being fulfilled through Jesus and seeing the things that take place, like, we can, we can see things that are going on here that, like, point to Jesus. But maybe if you didn't know that 100%, you still see over and over this promise, this rule of kingdom and it'll rule forever and like these different things that are coming up what grabbed my attention was there was these talks of like this is referring to solomon and solomon will build the the temple of the lord and that's where the lord will will go like i i think honestly and and enough that i'm standing up here before you to, to talk to you about this like it's showing the messiah like as a foreseen thing that's coming um, I get the feeling at the first, you know, he did not go to the, the judges of Israel when I commanded the shepherd, when I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So God is not concerned with this house. In fact, in Scripture, if you read, God does not dwell in just a house or a building. Um, the earth is his footstool. footstool. All these different things, like he's almost trying to get to David, like I have different means for you. You building of my home and this, that, and the other is not it. It's to bring in this Messiah, this Savior. I have other things going on here. Pay attention kind of thing. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, like kind of a lowly job, especially in them days, being a shepherd. I took you out of there and I'm making you a prince over my people, Israel. I have something bigger coming through you. And I have been with you wherever you, I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and I will plant and will plant them so they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. That part made me think of um, John 14, 1, 3. Let, your, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go 
to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Like, I've got this. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing things through David. Things are going to be made right. I will, where all your enemies will be no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, see, this, this excitement, like, man, when this guy comes, this Messiah, like, rest from our enemies. We will have rest. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build my house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. What does it talk about in the New Testament, about the dwelling place of God? What's that? 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Through Jesus Christ. Again, I look at this as a, as a, a prophecy of uh, being foretold of what's going to happen. The good news. Through Jesus Christ, the Lord will make you a house. He dwells inside of us as believers, as Christians. This is where the Lord dwells. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne, throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. This is the hiccup. When he commits iniquity. Tony's like, what is iniquity? I'm, I'm pretty, pretty slow, guys. Look it up. And, and again, it's, it's disgust. It's, it's, it's things like the Lord cannot be around. It's, it's sin. It's iniquity. So, in, in the readings, the commentary, it's like, wait a minute, if this is all about Jesus, like this pauses a minute for Jesus, and now it's talking about, you know, um, Solomon, his son that's to come to build this temple. He's the one that's going to commit, commit iniquities, which, of course, he does. He's human. Again, I'm reading it when he commits iniquity. It's not he's committing iniquity. It's he's taken on our iniquity. Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. It's talking about the um, Isaiah's, uh, this is a prophecy of Isaiah talking about the Messiah to come. And uh, if you read the whole chapter, like you, there's a lot more to it, but I just wanted to get to this iniquity part. Um, Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid, men hid their faces, he was despised, and, was, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is where I come up with this. Again, um, I had a hard time coming up and talking to you guys about this because there were so many things that just was like, oh, it's talking to Solomon, this, that, and the other, but I'm sure there is some form of talking to Solomon, but at the end of the day, the Lord did not sin. That's not what this is saying. Saying that he stood in our place and the iniquity of our ugliness was placed upon him. And we see it. When he commits iniquity, he didn't commit it, we did. I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, the beating the whipping, the whole crucifixion. That's what's going on here. I will, dis- I will discipline him with the rod of men. We should have been there. That was our punishment that we should have had. But again, he took on, our, on all our iniquity, and it was foretold in the book of Isaiah. Here's a big but. <laughs> but my steadfast love will not depart from him. That's, that is so, like to take on all of that, knowing how holy and righteous our, our creator is, our God is. And through his son, he took all that on. Not just like my sin, but like the world, everything. Took that on. And God, in steadfast love, did not depart him. Shows you the love the father has for the son shows you the love the Son has for the Father. My steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with these words and in accordance with all the vision Nathan spoke to David. So right here, and there's a lot more. This is just... This is what stuck out, what the Lord prepared for me. You have this, this excitement, this like things are going to be made right. From Genesis 3.15, through the Israelites, through God's chosen people, and we have here through David's lineage, we're going to see that we're going to have a Messiah. We're going to have someone that fixes all this. This is the good news. This is the Gospels. Jesus coming to fix the wrongs. We've got all this talk about God's promises, the restoration, freedom, families of the earth being blessed, but the seed, the offspring, coming to bruise or crush the enemy's head has not been found. And again, that's where until Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What things have been pointing to. I'm, I'm here, I'm writing about it. Take note. Listen. The good news, the Christ, the Messiah has arrived. And, he want, and we want everyone to know he's writing a book. And if you didn't just, like if that's not enough to grab you, here's the other part of this intro. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face 
who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So, in, in when this was written, like there was no chapters, there was no verses, you couldn't tell your buddy to go to the X, Y, and Z and find this. You, you said something. You talked about it. And so he's talking about it here. Like, And this is going to strike a nerve. Anyone that's been um, a Jew and knows his scriptures, this is going to strike a nerve. This is a prophecy of, of the foretelling. And Mark's bringing it up like, hey, take note. Listen to this. You've seen John the Baptist out. Um, John 1, 19 through 23. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. This is a man that's living in their time. He's, um, people are coming to know God. They're changing. He's talking about repentance. This is a man that they can see, and you can see that the Jews are around this man. They can't deny that there's something special about this guy. This is right here and there. And then they go and ask him, and they ask him who he is, and he says the very things that Mark's getting your attention with. Like, it was foretold he was coming. He was going to prepare the way. John the Baptist was coming before the Messiah. Here he is. Take note. That's how this book is starting. It's right to the point. Let's get your attention. We know we've been looking for this good news. Here it is. <laughs> they knew he was something. If you read in Matthew 21, 23 through 27, Here's one of them things, them classic things, where they try to set uh, Jesus up. Uh, it says, And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I, will, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me that answer, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. From where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority do I do these things. Right there it shows this man was significant. This man was prophesied about. John the Baptist will come to make the way straight. Again, this is how the book of Mark is starting. <sighs> I didn't realize I had that much. Anyways, we're going we're gonna to start closing it down here. So we've got this good news. We've got this book of Mark. sad to say it was missed. It's sad to say that his own people, the Jews, crucified him. And you have to ask yourself, how did they miss? 
And I think it's like so many of us. We focus in more on the here and now, not the eternity of to come. They were focused on a Messiah that was going to come and fix the situation they were in presently with the Romans, with whoever, through the history of the Jewish people. You know, Babylon come and, and defeated them. All these different things. They were looking at the here and now, not thinking of the promise in 315 of what really caused all of this chaos in the first place. And that we have a sin problem. What good is it if I clean you up and wash you all down while you're still in the, the thick of the mud? It does no good. We've got to deal with the sin problem first. We have to take care of that. And I think they missed it. Not all, but they were expecting something else. He had to take care of the sin problem first before he could do anything else. He could clean the place all up and everything, but if you leave sin, it's going to self-destruct again. So we do have the good news of Jesus. Jesus came, he made the path, or he, he fixed it. We've got, um, we've got salvation through him. We're redeemed through him. But as we all know, we still do live in a fallen, broken world. Our spiritual self has been saved, and we have comfort in that. But our physical comfort is definitely not here. Now, that's tough sometimes, especially when people are going through what we go through sometimes. Why does it just continually go? Why can't we just end it now, Lord? And to that, I would say, would you have liked to have been that person that was called short and didn't get a chance to be your eyes opened? There are so many people out there that don't know him. I praise God that he continually let time go on and offer me the chance to see him. The patient, merciful, good God that we serve. Again, when we say come back now, really what we're doing is it's all about us. We're done with the pain, Lord. We don't want to deal with it no more. Just get us out of this. Fix this mess. Believe me, guys, he's already fixed it. He's, he's, he's got that part, the sin problem taken care of. Just because we're not living in the comfort that we want doesn't mean that he's not coming back to fix that part. And again, look at it as a, as a, as a thing of grace. I know if he would have come 10, 15 years ago or whatever it was, I, I'm horrible with dates. I didn't know the Lord. The second coming is coming. Just as his first coming came and he conquered sin, his second comings, and it's not going to be as the servant that we've seen here, which is an awesome, awesome king to be a part of, but it's going to come in and he's going to show his rule, his authority, and he will fix what was messed up in the start of Genesis. Let's pray. Father, Please help us, Lord. Just see you, Father, and not the situations that we're in right now, Lord. We, we all get so blind to, to the things we're dealing with <laughs> on a personal level, Lord, that we forget about eternity. We think that this is all there is. Lord, I, I, I'm so thankful that you took care of the sin problem, that you conquered it. You, you crushed it, Father. 
And we can live in this fallen, broken world just knowing and having faith in you. And Lord, to put our comfort in that, not in our flesh, not in our comfort of our flesh, but in the comfort of, of you saving us, Father, from, from the ultimate separation, which is sin, Father. We all have sinned against you, Father. We've all, <laughs> we've all fallen, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the promise that you have fulfilled. I thank you for your patience, Lord, and your love. Amen.